Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we've become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. At the ACL Club, we know how important good nutrition is during recovery. That is why we have teamed up with Cure Hydration to provide you with 20% off your first purchase there. Cure Hydration takes all plant-based ingredients to give you the best science-backed hydration you can find. You will get four times as many electrolytes as a leading sports drink on the market without the added sugar. It packs an electrolyte punch with pink Himalayan salt, the best added sodium source for hydration. The watermelon flavor is my all-time favorite, but they have a wide variety of flavors for all different taste buds. Use the code ACLCLUB20 at CureHydration.com. That's ACLCLUB20, all capital letters, to get 20% off your first purchase at CureHydration.com. What's up, show your scars? It's so good to chat with you guys. I have another new podcast for you today, this time with Tommy Mandala from All In ACL. Tommy, if you have been following the ACL Club on Instagram, at the ACL Club, and going about this recovery journey alongside us over there, you've seen stuff that Tommy has posted. Typically, what he's posting is not just helpful tips or, or things to know during your rehab, but also some of the stories that of people that he has worked with. Really powerful stories of people turning their ACL rehab around through some of the programs that he has created. Tommy is just an awesome guy. He has a heart for people who are trying to get not just through this, but to come out the other side of ACL injury in a better place than they were before. That's really our goal at the ACL Club, and I I feel like Tommy really hits the nail on the head with that as well at All In ACL. So I wanted to give you guys a conversation, let you know more about what Tommy does and how maybe he can help you with just some of the things we chat about, some questions to ask, even your own PT, or if it is time for you to find a good transition between what you're doing now and what you need to do to get yourself back out on the field or the pitch or the court, well, maybe this is the way to go. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Tommy from All In ACL. Here it is. All right, Tommy, I'm excited to chat with you. We've talked before. We've had you on really like a mastermind of ACL rehab specialists. So now I'm excited to just dig in a little bit more and have everybody know a little bit more about you. So how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Um, Really enjoyed the webinar we did with the ACL Club uh, and just excited to chat with you more and kind of dig into things a little bit deeper here. Yeah. So um, thank you for coming on. I always love these conversations because being someone who has been in this space for a while and has been through too many ACL injuries, I always want to give people the best resources that they can have to navigate this process. And um, I think that's what leads me to people like you who are really trying to dig in more and learn as much as they can. So I think before we get into what you're doing now, I want to know why, what got you into physical therapy? What what made you take that step? Was it from you know youth athletics? Did you get injured? What was it? Because a lot of the times that's it is somebody gets injured and they're like, hmm, this kind of seems interesting. 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, when I was a kid, I was super into working out and sports and uh, was playing football and baseball and just kind of the combination of like lifting for football, but then playing baseball uh, just gave me some shoulder problems that led me to like, you know, start going to physical therapy. And I did like the traditional physical therapy thing. Um, but then I met a physical therapist who was also a strength and conditioning professional. And he was uh, just kind of changed the whole way that I approached working out, approached lifting, approached sports, um, really taught me. There was just so much knowledge that he had that mm-hmm. wasn't trickling down to me as an athlete um, that I feel like felt like led to my injury and led to some, you know, leaks in performance. Um, and finding that out, I just got, you know, super interested in it, super passionate about it. Um, and basically just kind of wanted to be just like that guy, my, my guy, Steve Barth, way back when, um, when I was in high school. And yeah, I wanted to be just like him, thought it was a cool job. Uh, and just really more than anything, just wanted to solve like more of my own problems at first and was like, you know, just for myself and, and then kind of started learning more and more. Um, and, and it just kind of drove me to get into sports medicine, to do a sports residency, to just keep trying to find as, as much knowledge as I could to, to help people who, you know, want to stay healthy, wanted to keep working out. And that was, you know, as I was younger and I feel like as I've aged, I've uh, developed more interest along with that with like, you know, people like you and me are just trying to stay healthy, stay active, stay fit, um, you know, beyond even high school and college athletics. Right. Absolutely. And the interesting thing about uh, your path, and I feel like a lot of people have this, is you find something that if it intrigues you and you're trying to find the solution to something, there's probably other people that are trying to find that same solution. So if you can be the person that can help that help yourself, you're you're there's a way that you're helping other people, too. So that's such a huge part of this. Your industry is being someone who wants to aid somebody else in whatever it is. You just mentioned fitness, but also recovery and specifically with you now, ACL recovery. Did you always, did you like that part of the job or was that, has that been something that as you've learned more, you're like, gosh, I really can help so many other people solve their issues as well. Yeah. So I felt like I had a unique collection of experiences that really like were just a variety of blessings that like led me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a sports residency at the University of Delaware um, after graduating from PT school, um, and they produce a lot of uh, physical therapy research in regards to ACL specifically. So a ton of the research comes out of Delaware, a ton of protocols, a ton of physical therapy-driven research. Um, And I really got to almost like be in a lab there and see how the best we could absolutely do in a physical therapy clinic, in session-based PT how we could do that. We had a ton of opportunities to test people. They had PhDs there, bringing people from all over the country to test them, which was amazing. And I, I really felt like I learned so, so much there um, and saw how it could be best done in, in mm-hmm. sessions. One of the things that uh, I did see as I was going through that was I, I would see people who we would crush the rehab in person um, and we would nail it. And then they would reach a point where it'd be like, okay, we know the way insurance game works. We have to conserve visits, right? Um, And they would be in an awesome position at at 12, maybe even 16 weeks post-op. But then the model to to, to help those people and continue to maintain those visits was like, okay, we'll build them, uh, we'll have them come in for a visit and then we'll map out what their next month is going to look like. Um, 
And we would do that and then send them away. And then we say, hey, come back in a month. And we try to keep up with emails or try to keep up with the program we'd written up. But inevitably, things always came up, right? Things always got in the yeah. way or they had a pain and they got scared and they didn't want to continue. Um, you know, they went on vacation and they were like, do I pick back up where I was? Um, and I was like, we, we knew, hey, they don't need to come in for these sessions. They don't need to continue working out in front of us. Um, but they just needed guidance. They just needed touch points. Um, and that was something that always didn't make sense to me about the session-based model. Um, and then after that, I, I went, uh, went on to work at Hospital for, for Special Surgery, which is a top orthopedic hospital in New York. Um, and there I, I ran into similar problems and, and even more so because we didn't have that cushion of being kind of a state-run institution where you could right. kind of, uh, manage a lot of different things that you can't do really in a private sector. What also we had there was uh, just a ton of volume from different surgeons, which led people to fly in and, and get tech. They would fly in for these surgeries and we yeah. them on our machines, which was great. So I really got to experience other people's rehab and, and, you know, where people were at at different time points that I wasn't, you know, directing their rehab. And same thing, we would test these people at six, nine, 12 months and they would just be leaving crying all the time because they'd be like, oh, my God, you know, I had no idea it was this week. Um, and they were shocked and upset by their numbers. And I was like, you know, I know how well this can be done if people have access to the right guidance and progression. Um, and I always wanted to send those people back with something. But it was like all we had was a session. I was like, OK, this didn't work out. You're going to come back in three months. And I'd be writing things down for them and trying to give yeah. them guidance. But I was like you know, it was, it was just very tough. So I wanted to build something. My initial thought with all in ACL was to build something for those people, the people who had had, you know, initially with, with, uh, Delaware that they were graduating. I was like, I want to build something with people who had great rehab. Um, and then just were getting into later stages and need continued guidance. Um, but then as it evolved, I started to see, um, just how much, the information we know from research wasn't getting out there to, to every ACLer. Mm -hmm. How that contributed to some of the poor statistics we saw, and then just how much better it could be for people, even if they do have access to great in person. Uh, just how much of a void there is, where even if you have great in person physical therapy, you're going to PT two percent of your week, right? Two to three. Right. Not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot, and. Um, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of room left in your week that that really can can make a ton of progress for you. And I, I think that's one of the best voids that that digital digital coaching can really provide. It's cool, too, how you took. I don't know if you really thought you were going to be building what you have built for so long. I, I don't know when you were when were you in Delaware? When, what year was that? And just to see from there to what you are now, you know, this has been a growth and almost this passion that has kind of been built into your work over a number of years. Yeah, you're right. So I was at Delaware back in 2018. Okay. Um, and yeah, this honestly, when I, I, like I said, when I first built it, I was like, I was thinking I was building it more for later stage people. And then I, as I started putting out content and gearing it, I had so many questions, people like flooding my inbox, asking about earlier stages, earlier stages. And I was finding out, um, that there was such a need for that. So then I started putting out, you know, more content kind of to answer those questions of like, well, how do you manage your swelling? How do you know when you're ready to run? Um, and I started seeing like, Hey, a lot of people really benefit from guidance even earlier in this process. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other thing, and this is, 
one of the biggest things that I, I put it in kind of my logo of empowerment is one of my like favorite words. And really what I want ACLers to feel from even just my content, but then also my clients particularly to feel, I feel like there is a lot of knowledge that we as a ACL specialist, you know, uh, ACL researchers, and even yourself, you know, in running the ACL, ACL club have, but that doesn't get out into the population. And it's, uh, having spoken to a lot of the researchers who produce all this, one of their most frustrating things is when they have published papers that could really help people, but it's not being utilized and not being given. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of things I see, like simple things that we, we you know, leave on the table, like strength testing before running, right? Not just following a protocol that progresses you a long time. Um, and that was something I... I almost overlooked in because I thought it, we we were doing that, but it, it turns out a lot of people aren't, right? Um, one of the other things I've tried to see as we've done this is like the opportunity to do preoperative physical therapy and mm-hmm. get your strength to you know strength testing prior to operation, right? That's not to say in every case some people have unique meniscal concerns that prevents that, but in in most situations you should be able to do preoperative physical therapy for a period of up to three months, not just establishing full range of motion, but really a a robust strengthening program. And it can make your post-operative course so much easier. And I'm just shocked at how not often that's put into practice, um, especially in America. Um, Yeah. Something I try to really educate people on. Yeah. It's so easy to go into this and get lost in a rabbit hole because there's so many things that we can, we can speak about, but I hear your pain points and and some of the things that you noticed during this recovery is the reason why you started all in ACL. And so what was the year you said you were in Rhode or in Delaware Mm -hmm. in 2018? What year did you launch all in ACL and really say, okay, I'm going to go all specific ACL injury and why did you choose to go this route? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, so I started on ACL in April of 2020. Okay. Yeah, April of 2020. You had a little bit of time then, huh? <laughs> right, right. So that was, so that was part of it. And what happened was, uh, I, uh, work as a content creator for the prehab guys as well. Um, or right. Rehab. Yeah. Um, they're awesome. And that, yeah, they're unbelievable. And I, I would always, they're great at, uh, they're great at giving me a platform and a voice and an opportunity to, to express a lot of these things. Um, and they were, you know, Hey, what do you want to write about? What do you want to talk on a podcast about? And it always, like you said, there's so much to this. It always mm-hmm. came back to ACL rehab for me that I would, once in a while, I'll do another blog, but I was always kind of like, well, this is how that affects. Yeah, I wrote on like acute, acute to chronic workload ratios and progressive overload um, just to get some blogs that weren't ACL related. But I was still <laughs> thinking about how those related. That relates to ACLs. <laughs> you were, huh? <laughs> um, and I just, for me, it was always, I, I was always writing about it, always writing about it. Um, and then I wrote uh, uh, a blog called What's Missing in, uh, What's Missing in ACL Rehab. Um, and then was on a podcast speaking about that with them. And after either the blog or the podcast, uh, I had someone from the UK reach out to me and ask, say, hey, they'd been struggling for like 18 months with their recovery and asked if, you know, I'd be up for helping them. And I was like, you know, I've been thinking about creating something for these people, but I was like, this is really opportunity for me to like 
finally go ahead and do it. So mm-hmm. I, I built kind of around him and adapted to him. I, um, you know, started building programs based on what he needed, started building the infrastructure for people like him. And then was like, let me start producing, you know, content, answering some of his questions. Um, and then it just kind of snowballs from there. Um, I love that. And I love that it came out of, um, just one person deciding, okay, and asking you because it had been on your heart for a long time and I, you had mentioned empowerment and this is like a little bit of self-empowerment, right? Okay, I've been wanting to do this. I'm going to believe that I can do this. I'm going to use everything that I've learned to start something so specific to ACLs. And this is, uh, I mean, we are very in it with the ACL club. That is, yeah. this is why I started it. I felt like there was something missing in this whole entire rehab process and I feel like so many people feel like there's things missing, it, especially from PTs, because you've seen probably some of the best of it on the rehab side, and you've probably seen some of the worst of it on the rehab side. What were some of the real major um, pain points that you feel like you can now address with all in ACL that were really difficult for you to address when you were in a setting that had restrictions on it, whether it be... Um, you know, I don't know if you still deal with this, but insurance restrictions, um, space restrictions, any of that, how have you felt like you have solved some of those things? Yeah. So those are, that's a really, really great, great question. And what I would even say is I tried to address, I, I tried to address limitations that I felt like we had even in great rehab settings. Um, one of my favorite things that I, in being able to like work with some physical therapists. I have a lot of clients who I also refer to a network of physical therapists I have if, if they're in an area that I'm able to do that. And even in that setting, I'm able to, I feel like solve a lot of the issues that frustrated me as a clinician, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give you the, one of the big, biggest, biggest examples, I think, is load management. Um, so after an operation, we fall into this category of like, can I do this? Can I not do this? Is this allowed yet? Like if it's on the protocol, it says at six weeks, start doing this. So like at four weeks, get rid of the crutches. Right. And I see so many people and even surgeons, not to criticize anyone, but surgeons fall into this category of this, this binary, oh, crutches until four weeks and then ditch the crutches. Right. Mm -hmm. And you've been an athlete before. Right. And you know how you gradually progress yourself through preseason into kind of full workload. Right. And progressing off crutches is no different than that, right? That is a load management. And what that yeah. does substantially by is is where you live too, right? If you live in a very suburban environment, that you're really in control of how much you walk and what your day-to-day looks like, then you're probably okay to kind of go from, you know, mm-hmm. using the crutches to maybe ditch them. If you're really totally in control of how many steps you take. But if you live, live in a suburban environment and you're a mom, with three kids and you have to grocery shop and you have to run around. Maybe you also work. Maybe Mm -hmm. you work as a nurse. Maybe you're on your feet a lot. Or you're a college student and you have to walk to class. Exactly. Exactly. There's so many variables like that, that I feel felt very handcuffed in my ability to manage during a session. Um, And you could be doing the best job in the world in in in-person physical therapy, but you, the system is, the sessions are set up for you to, to work out, right. To, to provide manual treatment or provide therapeutic exercise, add an exercise, take away an exercise. But what a lot of ACLers need is education. Right. Um, and that I felt like even more 
uh, I saw that when we were really limited in New York City during the pandemic. And it was like, I only have, we would have like half hour sessions and we couldn't keep people there for a long time. And I was like, if I only have a half hour with someone, that there's no, there's not a ton of value in that, right? I couldn't even pretend that the workouts they were getting twice a week for a half hour did anything. But it yeah. only helped me because then I was like, I'm going to spend this time building for you what you need and mm. that out. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like load management and load progression and accounting for factors that are outside the gym for people is, is one of the ways that this really allows me to, to, to do something I could do that I couldn't do during session-based physical therapy. So explain to people what exactly we, we've been talking about what you've been able to do, but if somebody's listening and they're like, okay, Tommy, I like this guy. I like what I'm hearing. I'm very interested. I want to empower myself and learn more. Okay. How do they, what is all in ACL? How can they get involved? What would it look like if say I'm that person and I reach out to you on Instagram and I say, I need help. Awesome. Yeah. So that, that's a great question. So what we would do first is uh, we'd set up a discovery call, right? Hop on the phone, really dig into your problems, your, your goals, who you are as a person and kind of the the solutions you're looking for, right? Um, that way we can really establish, hey, is this someone that that I can help, right? I don't think I can help everyone in the world, but I, I think there's a lot of ACLers who would benefit from this. So we make sure we dig in and, and make sure we have, a, you know, an understanding of what you need and what your goals are. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we come to kind of a, a, a package and understanding of what you need, Right. We then go to what I call our strategic planning meeting, right? And that strategic planning meeting, this is what I really love of like where this starts, where where it's different, right? I always say this to my clients, like that's not a physical therapy evaluation. That's not me reading the protocol. That's not me going over the protocol or, you know, your, your referral. This is me and, you know, me and you, Jordan, going over your life in its entirety, right? So you're you're going to give me, hey, what do you need to have success? How much time do you have available to you? What does your work schedule look like? What does your equipment access look like? If you're going to in-person physical therapy, what does that look like? What are the exercises they've given you? What are you currently doing with them? Um, you know, if you have kids, what does their schedule look like? When can you, what works for you to get done? Yeah. Right? What clients will get from me on that call is a 50,000 foot overview of what their recovery should look like. What are the criteria and landmarks they need to have success um, with a real understanding of kind of what are the timelines? What are the um, timelines and criteria? What I always tell them is I don't want you to ever feel like you're being asked, hey, trust me, you're ready to run. Hey, trust me, you're ready to ditch the crutches. Hey, trust me, you can go back to sports. You're going to understand that criteria. You'll understand when you've passed the criteria, if you're short of the criteria, and you'll understand the path to get you there. Mm. Um, I believe that, you know, in, in using that word empowerment, I feel like what gets lost on people is that no one ever explains to them why things are important. And I think that why is what's going to help you be patient when you understand, okay, maybe we're being a little conservative here, but this is why. I can mm-hmm. do it for a few more weeks or I understand, you know, I've, this seems aggressive, but this is why it's safe. I don't need to be scared of this. Right. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of combining that, um, that load management, but also with that research that you were just talking about, like in those 
answers. One, you're encouraging people to ask you questions like, why? I don't, I don't feel comfortable though with this, or why can't I do more or whatever the question will be. You're hitting them in these personal one-on-one sessions, which is all over. Everything's virtual that you do. Yes. Yeah, so we haven't even noticed that we haven't even talked about that part. Yeah. Um, go ahead. So I feel like, um, so that strategic planning meeting, right? That initial kind of onboarding and almost welcome, that is me and you coming up with your unique success plan, right? Okay. And we come up with like, this is how you're going to proceed. This is how we're mapping this out when things go according to plan, which they might not always, right? Mm -hmm. From there, we'll then build you a program completely custom to you, right? Um, Based on the testing we did, the movement assessment we did, uh, the conversation you've had, right? So I, I'll often describe this in terms of pillars and that first kind of strategic planning meeting success plan, I, I often call slingshot pillar because it's like, I'm giving you all this information and, and pulling it back so that you could see everything and then we're going to launch you forward, right? Love it. Yep. And then we go into what I call the launch pillar and that's where we actually build you a custom program completely, uh, you know, based on the equipment access you have. I use an app, create you as a client in the system, build you that program, you download the app, you'll open it up, say, welcome, Jordan, and it'll have, this is exactly what you're going to do today. It'll have specific sets, reps, intensity, guidelines for performance, education for performing around pain, videos I custom create showing you exactly how to do an exercise, where you should feel it, what are common compensations, how to know you're doing it right, how to know you're doing it wrong. On their end, clients are able to upload videos of themselves doing the exercises, as well as to ask any questions right there in the app. So they're able to get that slow motion video feedback analysis, which Mm. again, I love because I often found sessions were snapshots in time, right? You always maybe have your physical therapy sessions uh, first thing in the morning, right? You feel great. Um, But then I have clients who are school teachers and they say, I'm limping up and down the stairs by the end of the day. Um, and we're able to not only have, I also often have them input steps, right. Um, where it's like everyone has an iPhone tracking their phone, their number of steps throughout the day. And we have, people don't realize often we have years of data on that, that you haven't been paying attention to. And we can look at what's your daily average prior to this injury and compare it to, okay, that's what we need to get back to Right. So we can't say when you're walking a thousand steps with crutches, okay, it's six weeks, you can get rid of them. When you, we have to get you back up to daily life, which is maybe 10,000 steps for you. Um, what I love about this model is on that app, on that, uh, in mapping that out, I'm able to look at my computer here in my one bedroom apartment and say, this is how, these are all the buckets Jordan needs to fill, right? Of which there are so many, too many to count, right? And this is the time she has available to her. So I'm not handcuffed by, I have this 45 minute session. What workouts can I get in? But I could say, oh, on a day, Jordan's going to make sure she is recovering from that hamstring graft that they took. We're rebuilding that. We're utilizing working her calves, which is a huge part of ACL injury prevention. We're working on a non-surgical leg, which is a higher risk for young females. Um, But then on, uh, you know, B and C day, we're working on quad strength. We're working on single leg stability. Um, We're working on preparation for higher level loading. We can fit all of those things into your week in a way that works for you. Mm-hmm. And then we can progress it week over week in kind of a, a linear way that mm-hmm. 
that goes from basic strengthening to functional strengthening to strength testing to double limb jumping to run progression to sprinting to deceleration cutting pivoting hopping return to sport testing wow that's so cool one of the things i find clients often they get lost in the sessions right it's like what did we do here what did we do here and they feel sometimes like they're having exercise thrown at them um and i really like to view it that way because i think it helps people say hey sometimes you can have a bad day at the gym the weights won't move like they did the other day yep okay because that day-to-day does not matter it's that Mm -hmm. week to week month to month that builds on itself yeah Um, so what my clients have is in addition to getting that plan and that understanding and that feedback throughout the week where they're uploading their videos and we're able to give them that asynchronous feedback is we also check in every single week um where they fill out a short weekly questionnaire they're telling me what was good, what was bad, what was a win, what was a challenge, what level of confidence they have in moving forward into this week, as well as any other questions, concerns, or ways that I can help them to make sure they're getting the most out of this. Mm -hmm. That allows us to then, because we have all this information, I know you mentioned sessions earlier, um, but we're actually able to do all of this asynchronously through the app and through messenger service. Um, Wow. Because they're getting the video feedback they need. Um, They're getting their questions answered throughout the week. And then I have all that information and we can have that check-in via messenger. And I could say, hey, saw you had these questions. This is why we're doing this. Uh, You know, I saw you said this one's easy. We're making this change to make that harder. You're absolutely right. Or you said this is easy. I don't think it should be easy for you. We're going to make some adaptations to make sure it is more difficult. Um, This is, you know, hey, this is where we're at. We're strength testing in three weeks. Let's keep our eyes on the prize you know, you have the holidays coming up, whatever, or clients can say, Hey, I'm traveling next week, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. traveling with the holidays. How do you make sure that your ACL rehab doesn't fall by the wayside when you go back home to see your parents or you're, you know, going back home from school so we can build people, no gym options where they're able to do their exercises, you know, wherever they are. Um, yeah. that accommodation, I find those subtle changes can really make a difference in where you end up in, in weeks and months. And you've probably recognized as someone who is in a very different setting, in a clinical setting, that with this type of personalization, I would imagine people are more inclined to stick with it and to do it because they feel, you know, I know personally, I I was pretty blessed with really great PTs, but when you've developed that relationship and really feel like that person and just talking to you, you can tell that you are very invested in the, what the people are doing that you're helping. It seems like that relationship is just as important to, to really, um, help them have success. Like if I trust you and, and I know that you're watching everything I do then I'm going to be more inclined to ask the questions or finish the workout or whatever it may be that for that given day, or even say, Hey, this is something that just came up to me when you were talking. I feel pain. If I ask that to you, or like during a session, if I ask that, how quick are you to get a response back to me as to like, okay, why, why are you, why am I feeling pain, Tommy? Yeah, that's a great point. So I tell all of my clients, if they message me, they'll get a response within 24 hours. Okay. Um, Usually way faster than that. Um, but I always say within 24 hours, we'll make sure we get you a response and we'll get you, you know, the changes, the adaptations you need. Um, 
And I think you absolutely hit on something in terms of uh, the relationship and in terms of helping with motivation. Because I think one of the things I noticed when I had a lot of conversations with ACLers is I had so many people tell me almost this exact phrase. I'm usually super motivated. I'm usually, you know, I've always been an athlete. I've always gone to the gym. I'm usually super motivated. But lately I've just kind of fallen off or I've, I, like I, because I'm not sure if what I'm doing is right. That's wow. where I think people fall into, um, they, they don't, they show complacency kind of like, but they have, they have this burden of uncertainty where they're like mm. going to the gym and they're like, is this even helping? Am I doing the right thing? Should I, do I need to push myself more or am I waking it worse by pushing myself? Mm. Um, and that's why I talk so much about load management and load progression because, and I use the word Goldilocks principle a lot because the whole thing of ACL rehab is getting the load right enough that you don't swell up, you don't get pain, you don't lose extension, but challenging you enough that you're building the strength required so that when you do go to run and you do go to jump, you don't get pain, swelling, extension, or just, you know, train compensations, right? Yeah. Um, so, so many people I find because they're a little bit lost they say, I just don't, they just don't have it in them to keep showing up and feel like they're, they're not helping themselves. But once people get clarity and they're yeah. like, I know exactly what I need to do and I know how it's moving me forward, that motivation piece is there, right? Mm-hmm. If you guys go to All in ACL, I know pretty recently you just talked about Goldilocks um, yeah. principle on there. So you can go and check out that post and go, go check out um, Tommy on Instagram. I'll have it all linked in the podcast notes. But the thing that you mentioned earlier too is when when you were talking about timelines and timelines are always, oh gosh, I always felt so uncomfortable with them. And I often do feel uncomfortable speaking about certain things. Um, you know, I it's not as if on ACL Club, we don't want to share when someone gets to this, like someone gets to six months and they're cleared to do this. We are so happy for people when they make whatever milestone they make. But one of the things that also is difficult as someone who is celebrating other people's wins is everybody's wins don't look the exact same and everybody's timeline doesn't look the exact same. And saying that that's okay and appreciating that my body is very different than Tommy's body, which is different than the person that you are who are listening to us chat. So our timelines are going to be different. And I think that what you were speaking about earlier, and um, I think it was part of your, you know, sling back or what'd you call it? Slingshot. Uh, slingshot. Slingshot. When you're pulling things back and looking at an overview is giving people their own timelines and um, also evaluating where they are. Because some people can come to you right at the beginning of their ACL recovery process. And some people could come in eight month eight where they feel like, man, I should be at this, this, and this, and I'm not, and a little disappointed in that. But that change of perspective with timelines, I feel like can really help. And probably I would imagine if I feel that way, you felt that is a pain point in the ACL rehab as well. You're so right. You're so, um, you're, you're exactly right. I, I often will tell people who start with me um, in their, so let me say this. There's there's, I, okay. there's kind of two categories of people who work with me, right? The okay. first are people who start with me right away. These people start with me preoperatively or immediately postoperatively. 
they're usually a couple different types of people. They're healthcare workers who are kind of understand the system a little bit quicker and are much quicker to be like, I don't see how this adds up. I'm going to make sure I get all the help I need. I'm going to make sure I find a specialist. There are serious athletes, whether professional, semi-professional, college, former university, um, cops, military, firefighters, people understand their, their body is their livelihood and they have a timeline to get back. Mm-hmm. The other one is someone who's been through this rehab once before and they're on their second, third or fourth injury and they say, hey, this time I'm going to make sure I get you know the help I need from the beginning. Those are the people who start with me right away. And it's about 50-50 at this point. The other group are people who start with me later on. Those people start with me at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months post-op. Mm-hmm. I've had people start with me one years, three years, and the current record holds five years post-op from a, a single injury. Wow. Those people will often go through a, a very typical pattern I see in which they're underloaded early in PT. So bridges, clamshells, leg lifts, uh, you know, table exercises, quote unquote PT exercises. And then they reach a certain point and they're rapidly overloaded. So that overload can be as simple as progressing off the crutches too quickly if they were non-weight bearing for a period of time. Mm-hmm. It could be them getting frustrated and be like, hey, I need to load myself. I know I'm not getting enough load. I used to go to the gym. I'm going to go back to doing some exercise beforehand. They get themselves in trouble that way. Or it could be they reach a certain point in the protocol and their PT says, protocol says you can run, protocol says you can jump, protocol says you can lunge to the agility ladder without building the appropriate progression. Those people often get into a lot of, a couple predictable patterns where um, they lose some extension. They don't have the strength to maintain full hyperextension. So they do things with a bent knee. They develop swelling, which is a particularly vicious kind of cycle that can be hard to get out of. Um, They develop pain where they're, you know, getting kneecap pain. They're getting general joint soreness, stiffness that limits their progression. And all those things can also add up on each other as well. Exactly. Or some combination of any of those. Mm -hmm. Some people, the people that amaze me, the person I always actually think of when I say this is uh, Kelsey from... Mm -hmm who you know very well from the ACL. Yes. Kelsey was someone who avoided all of those things. She was a year out when she started with me. Um, and she didn't have any of those things, very fortunately. But what she had was kind of a lack of confidence where she felt like my knee just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel the same. And she was, because she was working with the ACL club, she kind of saw a lot of different things. She was like, I know I could, I could be doing better. Um, and you're absolutely right that when those people, that second group who start with me, particularly if there's someone who has pain, who has swelling, who has uh, a bent knee, one of the first things I tell them is like they say in Alcoholics Anonymous, where it's like the first step to solving this problem is admitting you have a problem. Mm. So when I tell someone, it's like, hey, give up on the time. Like you're not going to match the protocol necessarily, right? At this point, you have pain, you have swelling, you have et cetera. Let's build you your timeline, your protocol. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the nice things about this recovery, and there's very few nice things about this recovery, as you know, <laughs> is that you do have time, right? If you're following the best research back guidance that we have, even for my clients who are crushing it, passing return to sport testing, the earliest biologically you should return to sport is nine months. And really, that is 12 months. It's very close 
to statistical significance for 12 months. So if you're a recreational athlete, if you don't have a, you know, if you're not a pro athlete in a contract, you're really encouraged 12 months. Um, mm-hmm. So even my clients who start with me at, at six months and haven't started running yet are having pain. Or we tell them, hey, you can get to, you might be able to to get, you know, back to where you want to be in a year. That That is totally doable. But I think what you hit on, especially, I think it's a double-edged sword, right? Because I, in some mind, in some ways, I do think it's extremely helpful to see other people and see yes. and think about, think through, hey, are, you know, what is it, you know, what are they doing that I'm not doing or what? I, I think mm-hmm. it is helpful to critically analyze um, and that can be pessimistic or negative. Um, but I think sometimes my, the people who find me earlier find the help they need earlier are a little bit more pessimistic. They're a little bit more questioning. And I encourage people, uh, yeah. you know, that older model of like, uh, my mom would always tell the story when she would go to the doctor and she would, with my grandmother, she would like ask a question and my grandmother would be like, you can't talk to the doctor like that. Like, and my mom would be like, no, we, we're here to get their help. Like, <laughs> to be not in a disrespectful way, but I talk yeah. to people who like will tell me things or concerns or things that don't add up. And they're like, I, but I didn't, I didn't ask my PT. I didn't like, they don't have the, uh, they don't want to question a healthcare professional. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think this is unique in that it's your process. You're going to have to, you know, I make no moans about it that no one can fix you in this ACL recovery. Mm-hmm. It, it is really a, a long rehab that requires you to create the success. I view myself and my clients as very much a coach player relationship. And I think, you can attest to this having been an athlete that you need to have, you know, you need to understand the game plan to execute on it. Right. And yes. that's what I want my, you know, my clients to understand is that they're going to be the one executing on the game plan. So it's okay for them to say, I don't understand this because they have to understand it. Yeah. And it's really okay to ask questions and to try to understand. I, I tell people all the time, like I am so thankful that, I had, you know, I, I asked a ton of questions and I I didn't know what those questions were going to be useful for, yeah. but I wanted to know what was going on in my body. And the more I understood about, you know, this particular exercising impacting my hamstrings or my glute meat or my VMO or wh- why cal- like working on my calves is, ex- it is a very important step of ACL recovery, the more questions I asked, the more I really understood my body and I could feel things in my body and I was more aware of my body. And this is often something I I say, this is a club nobody ever asked to join, but when they leave, when they've made their progress through those 12 months, they will look at themselves in a completely different way because you learn things about yourself, how to stand up and ask questions when you feel a little bit uncomfortable and say, hey, this doesn't feel right to me. I need to know more. I need to know why. That empowerment, that trust in like, hey, I've got one life and I want to do this recovery one time. So I'm going to trust that going the extra mile and saying, okay, this is a 12 month recovery and really believing in that and knowing that 12 months is a long time, but doing it multiple times, you know, like not giving yourself the time to recover is not the alternative you want to take. You want to, you want to leave this process saying I did everything I can do. 
whether that's asking your PT questions, whether that's asking, switching PTs and saying, all right, I need to go to Tommy. I need to see what Tommy's about. Or is that something, this is something that I've also been thinking about as you're talking is, do you work alongside, like, are people going to PTs and using their insurance for certain physical therapists? Do you accept insurance? What's the, do you work alongside people that they go and and use their insurance with? How does that part of your model work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I, I do not accept insurance. Um, you know, one of it, it, it is just unfortunately impossible with this model. It's not. Um, and I and it can be really restricting. It can be really great, but it can be really restricting in ways too. And the thing that, you know, not to take words out of your mouth, but there is a fluidity about what you do and a time, the time about what the time management that you use that just doesn't fit in with what insurance wants to tick off the box. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, um, you know, I, I feel, uh, there, that is in insurance has it, it, its place for sure. Um, I, what everything I do is outside of insurance and I should clarify that, uh, this is coaching. It is not, although I am a physical therapist in operating in this model, I am not, uh, performing physical therapy, Got it. not billing typical physical therapy codes, you know, et cetera. Um, what I, what my clients do is, pretty much all of my clients who are less than three months post-op go to in-person physical therapy as well and utilize right. their insurance that way. Um, right. Those first three months, there's uh, a lot of medical concerns, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, being monitored for DVT, being monitored, uh, having your wounds monitored for infection, those type of things. And I do think uh, the manual treatment is helpful for many clients in yeah. those three months. Honestly, when I was at the beginning of my ACLs, I just wanted someone to like rub my knee. That was like my favorite part of PT. I'm like, just try to like, just kind of massage it. So yes, that's the kind of things that you can't do when you're just on an app. Right. And, And what I will say is early on when you just had surgery and you want to feel good, I think that's great, right? You should, Mm -hmm. you you enjoy that massage, right? Put some (laughs) on your eye. I don't care. But upsets me and and what happens is is I tell most of my clients at three months you know and, and that's not a magic window right it's a, a roundabout but yeah by the time you've recovered from this surgery and I mean physically recovered not you know your wounds are closed you're you're you know if you're still having pain swelling and you're still needing those massages that is a load management issue you yeah you should not be feeling like you need a massage like you need uh, manual treatment, like you need all of those things after the first two to three months. Mm-hmm. Because if you're feeling like, oh, I'm so tight, that's because you're not strong enough for what you're doing. If you're feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm so swollen and, and we're, we're, you know, getting the, the swelling out, it's because you're not strong enough for what you're doing right now. Um, if you're feeling like they're really cranking on my knee because my range of motion is behind, that's because you're not utilizing the rest of your week to get your range of motion to do that. Mm-hmm. And I often see people in that window where they're like, but don't I need that, uh, that in-person element, that massage? And what I say is, trust me, once we get the load right, you're going to not feel that need for the massage very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, most people who work with me in the United States use their in-person physical therapy visits um, those first three months. Um, and then beyond that, I always tell them if they want to continue on, 
they're more than welcome to, and I'll work with their physical therapist. And I'm always, you know, open to have communications, which I've communicated with many physical therapists through this. Um, but most of them don't really see the need beyond three months. Yeah. Um, because they're not having those because they have, we manage the load appropriately enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, your clients within the United States. So that means that you have international clients too. So if you don't live in the US and you're listening to this, you could still work with Tommy is what it sounds like to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and especially, uh, and that's why I was thinking that because a lot of times in Canada it can vary by province uh, mm-hmm. and a, couple, a number of factors. But a lot of people there will only go to in-person physical therapy when they work with me once every two weeks, once every three weeks. Um, and they're able to manage, you know, we're able to do that without that hands-on component, right? That's not every case. That's not every client, but that's doable. Um, same thing in the UK, uh, specifically a lot of NHS, you know, people go through the National Health Service, get a, a physio visit once every two weeks. Um, and we're absolutely able to, to, to manage that. Um, so I, I, I definitely... Um, find the value of it. Um, the earlier we could start a, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, a, a an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Um, mm-hmm. and I think you alluded to this earlier, like, and I think, you know, so much from having been through it so, time, so many times, but, and from running the ACL club. But one of the things I hear from people so much is they say, I wish I knew what a big deal this was first. I wish I knew what a big deal this was in the beginning. And mm-hmm. I alluded to earlier kind of patients' attitudes towards doctors and, and healthcare professionals. But I think there's this paternalistic attitude in medicine sometimes where surgeons especially, but sometimes PTs, healthcare professionals in general, can treat patients like they're on a need-to-know basis. Um, and that may work for some different things but mm-hmm. not for something that you need to execute on a 12 month rehab for. Right. It, it really doesn't work for this. And I, the reason I like the word empowerment is because I think if you inform people, they, they will act responsibly in accordance with what, if they understand the process, they'll make the right decisions along the way. Um, and I try to tell people from day one, like if no one's told you, this is a really big deal. This surgery is a big deal. I, I often sometimes find like, my content can be a little negative because I think people should be aware of the risks and of the, the retail rate. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not sure. Did you feel like you were aware of how high the retail rate was during, while you went through your first injury, first rehab? I think I was aware because I was surrounded by people. I knew a lot of people who had re- retorn. Yeah. So I was aware in that regard. Um, so Yes, in a way, I, I really was, and but also, I don't think I knew everything. I mean, I'm I'm still learning so much, and that's the other thing is like you're not going to know everything through this 12 months. But it, the more you can know, and the more you can, uh, you know, more information you can glean from your PT, from Tommy, from um, you know, even if it's just things you're learning from some of the great PTs that we are surrounded with um, on social, like use that to ask questions and ask your doctor or ask your PT. And if they don't have answers, that's okay. Just say, Hey, like, would you mind looking into that for me? Or would you, you know, we're not out here to make anybody feel inferior. And, but I think we are. And one of the things I love about you is we are out here to do what's best for the people who are recovering. 
And to do that, we have to allow them to have a voice and challenge the status quo. And I, I think that's what you've done in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I, I totally appreciate and, and applaud that point. Cause I, I say that all the time too, that, uh, listen, I'm an inch wide and a mile deep, right? Like I, my license would allow me to treat neurological, uh, physical therapy, cardiovascular physical therapy, um, all types of physical therapy that I am legally qualified and educationally qualified to do, but I mm-hmm. would not want me as a physical therapist in that setting, you know, and that's, Yes. So I, I try to say that anything I say, uh, you know, in, in talking about what's right, uh, you know, and the right way to do things is not a knock on anyone personally, or it's not, Mm-mm. but everyone always, I truly believe anyone who got into physical therapy is doing, they did it because they want to help people and they're yeah. really doing their best um, for you. But this is a systemic issue and it is a big deal, like you said, and you as a patient need to advocate for and get what's best for your knee um, so that you give yourself the best chance to only do this once and to get back to one of the things that I hate is when I hear people start to make concessions along the way, they say like, maybe I don't need to do that. Or maybe, you know, maybe I just, you know, won't play anymore. I always say that's your right, but you know, you're, you're, you know, you don't have to do anything. You can make your own, but you should understand that, the path to that if you, if you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. This has been such an interesting conversation. And I think you've given people a lot of little things to look for. You know, if you, if you have questions about some of the things that are going on with your PT right now, or if you're at the beginning of your process and you're like, okay, I want to, I want to make sure I at least have a conversation with Tommy before I choose to go whichever direction you're going no matter who you are and if you're in the middle of the ACL rehab, I, I think it's totally worth at least checking Tommy out on Instagram at all in ACL, but it's all underscore and underscore ACL, correct? Yeah, you got it. And, um, and how else can they, can they get in contact with you, Tommy? Because I want to make sure everybody um, knows the proper route. Is it DM? Is it yeah. an email? Is, Do you have a website? Shooting me a DM on Instagram is the fastest way to get in contact with me. I'm in the process. I'm working on taking work. Constructing a website takes longer than you would think, uh, especially when you're not a web designer, but <laughs> in the process of working on a website. Um, you can also email me, contact me at all on ACL.com. Um, but really the fastest, fastest response you'll get uh, will be, will be through Instagram DMS. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that. I, I'll say if there's, Three things that I think every ACLer should know that I think yes. are the, the biggest signs of like, okay, go into it knowing this first, accept that this is a big deal. It, you know, do what you have to do to mentally handle that, but accept that it's a big deal the first time and treat it as such. And, and you'll give yourself what I say is invest one year of your life in this and make it just one year. So then you can move on and put this in your rearview mirror Two. If you are not a gym person and you've had this injury, that is okay. But for your best chance at success, you're going to have to become a, and when I say gym person, I mean a resistance training person. You're going to have to, you know, truly get into heavy, slow resistance at some point to give yourself the best chance of this. That's one of the things I find people don't know if they're just an athlete, you know, just someone who's always been like, I play rec soccer, I play rec basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, It's okay. 
but use this to learn a new skill because I think the gym is, as you age, the fountain of youth. And it's going to be Uh the thing that is going to allow you to continue being an athlete as you age. Um, And then the third one is just the simple question of what is the criteria for me to run? And if it's not a strength test with a number attached to it, ask more questions. Hmm. Those three questions alone, I think, will flesh out enough of like, hey, do I need to ask more questions? Do I need to investigate things? Um, Because I see those three, I feel like, are the biggest uh, simple questions, simple answers. Um, I, I think, you know, that'll, that'll make a big difference in, in where this year takes you. Yeah. I love it. And number four for me is just an overall, you can do this. I think some people just doubt themselves and whoever they are, their ability at some point in this process that they can really get through it. And there are thousands of people on this other side that can tell you, you can do this. And you have probably treated hundreds and hundreds of people who have been able to do it. And um, I think just the relationships that you give people, Tommy, you know, what I've heard firsthand from Kelsey and your relationship with her and how much you helped her through her process. And that being a, you know, a big part of what the ACL club is and who the ACL club is, is what Kelsey has done for us is, you know, I will always back you and what you've been doing because I know that you really put so much time and effort and energy into the people that you rehab. So that is something that I'm very thankful for. And I know a lot of people that have worked with you are very thankful for. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I appreciate you. I appreciate Kelsey, even though she's not here, um, who was amazing. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I appreciate you and everything you guys do at the ACL Club. Uh, I always wear my t-shirt proudly. Um, so anyone who hasn't seen the awesome, uh, t-shirts on the, on their website, check that out. Um, yeah, I think the ACL club is like, you should be so proud. Cause I mean, I think of the amount of ACLers you've impacted just by like spreading messages and, and seeing people, you know, people, I feel like people wouldn't know about me. They wouldn't know about, um, you know, that so many of my clients are connected and have had conversations and have found me through the ACL club and talked to each other about the ACL club. And I think it just drives the knowledge really is power. And I think you're really driving mm-hmm. that for this community, which I think is wow. such an amazing thing. Well, thank you. Yep. Like-minded people, you know, knowledge, we're just trying to get the knowledge and the, the community aspect out there. So thank you, Tommy. And I don't know, we might have to have a a, a conversation with you and Kelsey and really dig into how, how this whole thing works. Cause I, I think that would that. be something people would love to hear as well. Yeah. I'd love that. Um, okay. thank you so much for you. Have a great rest of your night. Yes, you too. There it is. Our conversation with Tommy from all in ACL. If you have any questions, please reach out to him. You can go to at all underscore in underscore ACL on Instagram. I will link everything in the show notes. So you have it there easily, easily accessible. But Tommy is such a great guy. He has helped so many people through the ACL club. And we're just lucky to have people who give you a good plan and sometimes you guys are in a place where you have a good plan right now but maybe you just need to ask a couple more questions and I feel like this podcast probably gave you a couple more questions to ask or you need to pivot and it's okay to pivot and it takes bravery to pivot and it takes some courage and it's the empowerment that we talked about here so I hope that you leave this conversation no matter where you're at feeling a little bit more empowered to go about your ACL rehab in the best way possible because that's what we all want for you here at the ACL club 
So wherever you are, make sure you go out there today and show your scars with pride.